This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast, brought to you by Christian Hockey. I am Ryan Kennedy. It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you. That dope podcast that steps you. But we are back with the Prospect Podcast and starting off with three players to watch from the 2020 NHL Draft Class. I'm going to kick things off with Artem Schlein, center for Shattuck St. Mary's, the vaunted prep school in Minnesota. They just won the McPherson Cup, which was a showdown at St. Andrews College, just north of Toronto. And once again, Schlein looked really good as the top-line center. He is a Boston University commit. He leads Shattuck St. Mary's in scoring with 73 points in 42 games. This is a kid that can do a bit of everything, very offensively talented, plays with a bit of an edge, two-way guy, so I really like what he brings to the table. He'll be a fun one to watch. Heading out west, Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks has been fantastic the past month. Really, he's been fantastic all year, but he's really taking things to the next level. Now it's 67 points in 44 games. That puts him top five in the WHL. I really liked him at the CHL Top Prospects game. I thought he brought a lot of quickness, a lot of great anticipation to his game, and obviously he can put the puck in the net. So Seth Jarvis, good one to watch for in the draft. Then Jan Misak uh, with the Hamilton Bulldogs, new member of the Bulldogs. He was back home in the Czech Republic for the first half of the season, played for the Czechs at the World Juniors. I thought he was a standout, using his speed, really getting involved in plays, Once again, the veterans on the Czech team weren't as impressive as I thought they were going to be. It was the young guys really showing up, and Misak was certainly one of them. Since he's gotten to Hamilton, seven goals and nine points in eight games. The Bulldogs really needed his offense. Of course, they have Arthur Kaliev, the Los Angeles Kings pick already, who can do great things with the puck. Now they got another option in Misak, and so far he has been great for them. Now we're going to go to your questions, and that is the bulk of this podcast, starting with Jonathan Dufour, who actually has two questions, and I will hit them both, because why not? Connor McMichael is tearing up the OHL, but can't play in the AHL next year, which is true because he's too young, and he's in the OHL right now with the London Knights. Any chances he cracks the lineup in Washington, or will he stick in the OHL for another year? I think there's a possibility that McMichael gets a couple of games at the beginning of the year with the Capitals. He's such a great offensive player. And the only thing is Washington, obviously, they can score goals. Hasn't been a problem for a while since a certain number eight came to town. But I think with McMichael, because he's been playing so well with the Knights, you want to see what he can do at the next level, even if he's not ready full-time next year. I thought McMichael was pretty good at the World Juniors. Sometimes he was more effective than others, but I do feel like if he could dominate that tournament next year, that would be fantastic for his development, which is why I think Washington maybe gives him a look and then sends him back to junior or at the least sends him to that tournament, much in the same way that Arizona did with Barrett Hayton this year for Team Canada. So I think he still needs to round out his game a little bit, but there's no questioning his goal-scoring ability. And I think McMichael's going to be a very good NHLer pretty soon. Second question from Jonathan Dufour uh, involves Owen Tippett, the Florida Panthers pick. Best scorer with AHL Springfield, but still has not been recalled. 
why is he ready for the NHL yet? Well, you kind of answered your own question there. Um, I think Tippett's on the cusp of being an NHL player, but the importance of this season in Springfield was for him to get more consistent and round out his game. He's always had the speed, the shot, the size, the goal-scoring capabilities. It's always been the other parts of the game, the, the play away from the puck with Owen Tippett. And I think playing against pros this year and having a big role with the Thunderbirds is really good for him. You look at the Panthers right now, they're not really in an audition mode. They're fighting for their playoff life. It's a very important season for Florida. I feel like they, they need to get in, and they've got a pretty good cast already. So I think Tippett will be a great player for them in the future, but right now Springfield is the place for him. He can have a big role. Florida can do what they need to do to try to get into that playoff spot. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, and Tippett can continue to round out his game. So I think he's in the right spot there. Uh, I have another question for you that I didn't put down there that I, th- I think is actually pretty relevant. Um, it's from a guy who goes by the name of Linus Omark. Aha! Uh-huh. Don't think it is Linus Omark. Not the Linus Omark. Yes. What does Cal? How does Cal Peterson fit in LA? Is he a legitimate long-term option mm. as a starting goalie? Right. Yeah. I, you know what? I think Cal Peterson has the makeup and the profile to be a starting goaltender for the Kings. And the Kings obviously just traded Jack Campbell to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So a spot opened up uh, in the NHL for Cal Peterson. You know, this is a kid that's been pretty excellent everywhere he's been. You know, starting in the USHL with Waterloo, moving on to Notre Dame University, where he had a lot of success with the Fighting Irish. And, you know, he's got the size, he's got the profile. So I, I, I would say that Cal Peterson... You know, he's in that spot now where we want to see what he can do in a bigger role at the highest stage. And luckily for him, that opportunity is presenting itself. So this is a really good test for him, and it'll be fun to see if he can live up to expectations. Uh, Next question from Colin Tagel. He asks, who are some of the prospects slated for the second round of the 2020 draft who should get teams excited to take? So this is an interesting question because you kind of have to parse out who's a first rounder and a second rounder. A lot of times when I talk to scouts, you can talk first round, second round, but a lot of scouts will talk about somebody being a top 40 pick, kind of going 20 to 40. There's that high end and then there's the guys that maybe they slip to the second day of the draft just because of how the numbers work out. And then there's another guy who one team really likes, and they jump for him in the first round, where a lot of other teams might have had him in the second. But for your purposes, I'm looking at three guys here that I think are pretty safe second rounders at this time, starting with Ian Kuznetsov at the University of Connecticut. Freshman defenseman, big kid, 6'4", 205 pounds, Played in the USHL last year with Sioux Falls, won a championship with the Stampede, was actually probably going to go back to Sioux Falls this year, but UConn really wanted him right away on their depth chart. So he made the leap, even though he's just eligible for the draft this year. He's a late 2001 birthday, but still young for a college kid. You're not going to get a ton of offense out of Kuznetsov, although he does have 10 points this year on a pretty middling Huskies team. But... 
He's a pretty good skater, and he's got that size. He can be that shutdown guy for you. He really didn't have many points at all in the USHL and was still a very effective defenseman. So I think he's a, a second-rounder that could raise some eyebrows. Second is Adam Raska with the Ramuski Oceanic of the Quebec League. You know, earlier I was talking about Jan Misak and how well he played at the World Juniors. I thought Adam Raska was super noticeable as well. He's not a huge kid, but he really throws his weight around. And I thought that he was the type of kid that wanted to make a difference, even in games where the checks were a bit outmatched. With the Oceanic, he's putting up a great amount of points, and obviously with Alexi Lafreniere on that team, you're going to have a lot of offense. But Rask is very intriguing to me, and I could see him maybe going at the end of the first round, but I think it's probably safer to see him as a second rounder just based on how deep this draft is and the fact that he doesn't have a ton of size. But I still think he's a very exciting player, and once again, he'll be eligible for the World Juniors next year Maybe he'll have an even bigger role and an even bigger impact. Third player I'll mention right now, and this is another kid that if you really like him, maybe he's a first rounder, but let's call him a second rounder for these purposes, is Will Cooley with the Windsor Spitfires of the OHL. Cooley's got great size, moves really well. He's putting up some pretty decent numbers. I I think maybe we were hoping for a little bit more from the Spitfires, uh, but... It, you know, it is what it is, as hockey players like to say. Uh, in the top prospects game, Cooley dropped the gloves with Donovan Sobrango of the Kitchener Rangers, and they had a really good tilt. I feel like every year there's at least one fight in the top prospects game, and Cooley, I mean, it, you know, it's not like they were super mad at each other or anything like that, but they went for it. It was a good show. And it shows that he's at least willing to drop the gloves and that he can more than hold his own. It was a very even fight. And uh, I just like that Cooley was trying to, you know, he stood out there. So those are three guys that I would say are pretty safe second rounders that have a lot of enticing skills to think about. So thanks for that question, Colin. Got another one here, actually, that I think would be a good uh, segue uh, from Gustav on YouTube. He asks, uh, are, are there any positives short-term and long-term with Detroit, uh, especially with their prospect? Because they got a couple good prospects. And I think Grand Rapids, they got some players that I would like to see a bit more out of, but we like what we see out of Moritz Satter. Joe Valeno is obviously really good. Mm. But there's no goaltending of the future right now. Well, yeah, I think Philip Larson's your best bet right now. And, you know, I, I know he started this season on the shelf and he's a first-year pro, so you're going to have some ups and downs. But I, I do think that there's enough breadth of prospect depth to to feel at least positive if you're a Red Wings fan. I know the, the current situation in Detroit is pretty dire. It's not fun to watch. But you look at Cider. You look at Philip Zadina, who was pretty good in Detroit before he got hurt. You look at Valeno. You know, Larson's an option in net. Goaltending is so hard to figure out these days and so hard to forecast that I feel at least if you have options, you're in decent shape, and then you hope that you kind of stumble on somebody along the way. And, I mean, really, the thing with Detroit is when you're going through a rebuild like this, it's not going to be a short-term thing. So if Detroit has bad goaltending in the NHL next year, it's fine. They can probably even survive with bad goaltending the year after that because we're not going to expect them to take that next step for a couple years now. In the meantime, 
you get cider reps, you get Valeno reps, you get Zadina reps, and that's how you go on. And eventually you find your goaltender. Maybe it is Philip Larson, maybe it's somebody else. But right now I, I think they're in decent shape. And there's also Keith Petrozelli to keep in mind, big kid. Again, he's had his ups and downs in college, but you look at that frame and you definitely see potential. So I, I would say there, there's some positives in Detroit. They're just not there yet. Well, offhand, do you know what Jimmy Howard's record is this year? Man, it's probably ugly. Like, really ugly. Let, let's let's speculate that it's... Okay, let's just say he's played 24 games. 24 games? I'm going to say he has three wins and maybe some overtime losses. Two wins, oh. 20 losses, and two overtime losses. With a goals against average of 4.12 and a save percentage at .884. Shout out to Jimmy Howard for... Showing up to work every day and accepting the fact that you're probably going to get peppered with shots because Detroit is in a trough. See, here's the thing. When you look at Jonathan Bernier, his stats aren't incredible, but he's got 10-14-2 record. Mm. 2.89 goals against average and a .908 save percentage. There you go. He's surviving out there. He's surviving. That's all you can ask for. Uh, next question from the Lace em Up podcast. Jack Quinn of the Ottawa 67s has scored 40-plus goals this season. He performed well in the CHL Top Prospects game. Could he be the steal of round one in this year's NHL draft? Well, once again, we have a paradox here because we keep talking about Jack Quinn. So can he be a steal? Hmm. Interesting. Having said that, I believe that Jack Quinn is getting a lot of positive buzz because of the way he's playing. He's on an excellent 67s team that is clearly the class of the OHL. You look at London and Kitchener in the West, and those are also very good teams. But, I mean, right now, Ottawa has a clear path right through the Eastern Conference. They've got a veteran squad. They've also got Marco Rossi, who is probably going to be a top five, if not top ten draft pick. But Jack Quinn, you know, talking to scouts, they really like what he brings to the table. There's a lot to like in his game. And as you said, I mean, he's been scoring kind of at will right now. And he's definitely going to be a first-rounder. Whether he's a steal or not, it's kind of hard to say because we've seen what he can do. I think you know he gets overshadowed a little bit by Marco Rossi in Ottawa, but the scouts certainly know him, and I have a feeling that you know fans, casual fans, are going to start hearing his name a little more as as we get closer to draft time because you know that's when the mainstream media sort of latches onto these kids. And because the 67s are going to probably make a deep run, you're going to see a lot of Jack Quinn and all the fantastic offensive skill that he brings to the table. So we shall see. Uh, Moving on, this is a fun question that Stephen and I were talking about before we got on air here. Bryce Eady asks, can you... He says, hey guys, so Stephen, you're included on this. Can you each rank these goaltending prospects? Spencer Knight, Caden Primo... Ukapeka Luokanen. Bryce, you're making me pick pick my favorite children. I hate it, but I'm gonna do it because I'm a pro. And I'm I'm gonna sort of frame this question, Stephen, as you got one game, you need to win it. Who do you want in that game? I'm gonna go with Spencer Knight. I know he was only okay at the World Juniors, but he's still young. He'll be at the World Juniors next year as well. And he'll probably be a difference maker. 
I will preface this by saying I, I think the world of all three of these players, I think Caden Primo's development curve has been off the charts. I think Uko Pekaluokanen uh, has shown his high end many times. And, you know, he's battling back from an injury. He's doing his time in the ECHL, his first pro season. But if I really had to, I would go Knight, Luokanen, Primo, but I would take all three any day of the week. So that's the thing. Spencer Knight's been on, like, winning teams pretty much everywhere he's gone. He's always been on good teams. He's always had some good stuff. Coincidence? You need a good goalie to make it all work. Exactly. So he's been in a winning mindset. He knows how to win. He knows how to play in these big games, and we've seen him steal games before. Uka Pekalukunen is a guy that has never really been on a uh, – at least the last couple of years he's been on good teams, but never superstar teams. They're right. full of talent. And he's been able to kind of steal wins and put on incredible performances. It seems like he plays better the more shots he faces. Mm-hmm. So – it, it's tough because I really like Logan in it. I also like Spencer Knight. And Caden Primo, he's a good goalie. Yeah. Uh, if I had to choose one prospect right now, it's none of those guys. And mm. it's a certain New York Rangers prospect. Right. But. <laughs> Which one? Shesterkin or Tyler Wall? Uh, obviously, Tyler Wall. No, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Wall's really good, too. Tyler Wall's really good. And man, Rangers fans, you guys are going to be spoiled with some good goaltending. It's true. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was kind of really on the Luokan in side, but it's like. It's just the fact that if we're going with the one game, Spencer Knight really knows how to play in big games. Indeed. And the, and the funny thing is, Caden Primo's the furthest along of any of them because he's yeah. already played in the NHL. But he's almost, like, Primo's a good goalie, but again, he was a seventh-round pick, 199th overall, I believe. Well, it, yeah, and it's interesting because I remember watching him in the USHL, and he was really raw, really kind of scattered, and I was like, Ugh, I don't know. And then he gets to Northeastern, he gets to the NCAA playing against harder competition, and he was amazing. Yeah. So whatever happened that summer, other goalies need to seek out Caden Primo and find out because he must have put in work, really found his game, and just took it to another level. So, I mean, if, again. If you want to know why he's so good, uh, we actually had his goalie coach on the uh, Gooch Live podcast. There you so, go. Uh, some good information on kind of what makes him good. But you got three good goalies there that are all going to be starters at some point, And Let's just say I think Sabres fans could come out the happiest out of all this, though. There you go. Just because you've got the number one guy you've been missing since Ryan Miller. There you go. I like the synergy crossing over to other THN podcasts. It's very good for the brand. Good job, Steve. My podcast just came out. There you go. Okay, next question from Joel21. Your thoughts on Ole Yolevi. Is he still a top four D-man? What and what should we expect from Brogan Rafferty? He's doing great in a, in the HL as a rookie D man. So this is a Utica Comets slash Vancouver Canucks double question. Uh, starting with Yoel Levy, I have this thing where if a prospect goes through a lot of injuries, it can really affect their development curve, and it doesn't mean that they're going to be a bust. You just have to factor that in. So. If you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, for example, looking at Tyler Benson, Tyler Benson has been pretty good in the AHL in the past sort of season and a half. And that was after he went through some struggles because he had some injuries. So you were only now sort of seeing the real Tyler Benson. I think the same can be said if you're going to be charitable with Yoel Levy, where he's had some injuries, he's had some struggles, and... You know, I, I think he's 22 right now, 22 years old. Pretend he's 20. 
Think about the development time he lost that he's still sort of getting back and treat him like a 20-year-old. Treat him like a first-year pro rather than a 22-year-old defenseman who's kind of bounced around. And you look at his numbers, and they're, they're decent. Defensively, he hasn't been great. You know, plus-minus, not a great stat. We all know that. But he's a minus-7 on a team that has a lot of players who are pluses, so that's a little disconcerting. But is he still a top-four D-man? I mean, if I'm going to be conservative, I'm going to say he's probably a bottom-pairing guy at best. But I'm not closing the book on Uolevi just yet because of the time he lost. I think you got to be a little more patient with him, which is unfortunate because he was such a high selection by Vancouver. But that's how things go sometimes. As for Brogan Rafferty, he's obviously been one of the great surprises in the AHL this season, you know, Come from Quinnipiac, a very good NCAA program that has really done well with players that weren't big recruits when they were coming into college, but really made names for themselves afterwards. You know, with Rafferty, he's not a great skater, and that's sort of the one thing that might hold him back at the NHL level, but clearly he can move the puck out of his zone. Clearly he has some great offensive hops. I think you're looking at a guy who at the NHL level, uh, again, is probably a bottom pairing guy that can contribute on, say, your second power play unit. But, I mean, great find by the Canucks um, and, and then great development by Utica, getting him in positions where he can succeed. So I, I think it's you know a pretty positive all around for Vancouver um, just in what Brogan Rafferty has been able to accomplish already. So uh, next... We got more questions. Well, I got one here from uh, Jerry. He's a good uh, listener of ours. So All right. Yeah. Actually, I've not sent you any to my knowledge, but I've got That's a few true. here. So I'm going to put my phone down. Uh, he asks, is Arthur Kaliev, does he have the potential to make the Kings roster next year? And is he still a top prospect? And I'd say based off of his play this year, yes. I would agree also because the Kings are so bereft of talent. <laughs> you know, there's like That's not, a pretty easy answer. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of barriers to the LA Kings roster right now. They've already moved out Kyle Clifford. They get Trevor Moore in return, so I guess that's a forward spot for a forward spot. But I don't, you know, I don't think Los Angeles is finished. I think they're going to be pretty active at the deadline. And you look at Kaliev; he still has to round out his game. Right now, he's he's kind of a one-way player, but man, is that one-way good! Very few OHLers can score the way that Kaliev can. So I, I think he'll at least get a shot. And, you know, again, going back to guys like Connor McMichael, maybe what you see is Kaliev spending some early time with the Kings and then he goes back to junior. Um, you know, maybe we see him at the World Juniors. I think he'll, he's still eligible. He's not a late birthday as far as I know. No. Yeah. So, I mean, he was with Team USA this time. Played well. Played well. So, I, I, I think the opportunity is there, but you also don't need to rush him. I mean, he needs that development time to round out what he has. He's He was a raw player coming into the OHL, and his talent has made him an impact player at that level. But if you really want to have something special, then you mold him. And I think... He's a willing kid, you know, like talking to his coaches, he's very teachable. It's just a matter of getting that, getting those reps, you know, having a big role. Maybe next year you see more penalty killing, 
Maybe he's playing against top lines more more so than top lines playing against him, if you know what I mean. But, uh, yeah, I still think Arthur Kaliev is a top-level prospect. All right, we have a couple more questions here. This one comes from, uh, I'm assuming, a Latvian hockey fan, uh, Ronald Rezes, and he says, will Balsers get the well-deserved spot in the Senators lineup if this season, if not this season, then next. And he's having a pretty good year in the AHL. The, the, the baby centers have some good prospects. Uh, this is a guy that I believe he was part of the Eric Carlson trade. That sounds right. He came over from San Jose for sure. Yes. So this is a guy that, you know, he had a seven-game run already this year, just a one point. But Ottawa still has a couple years where we could still see the young guys kind of come in and have an opportunity. There's a few of the guys there in the centers organization who could probably play NHL this year. But they're just giving them the opportunity to develop more because this is a lost season. It is. And it's also important to remember that when you're a rebuilding team and you have a lot of prospects, and I mean, Ottawa's in great shape already when you look at Batherson, Fermentin, Logan Brown. You also have Balsers up there, obviously. Those guys have to earn their spots. You can't just give them spots and say, okay, you know, we're in a down cycle. We've got roster spots. Go ahead and do whatever you want. The key to building up is for guys to earn it. And that was kind of a problem with the Senators at the beginning of the season was the kids didn't step up in training camp. And that's why you see, you know, or, or why you saw Scott Sabrin make the roster was Scott Sabrin was actually playing very well at the time. So what I would say is it's really up to Bowser's at this point. He has to show that he's ready for an NHL job, and then once he gets that crack, leave it all out there. Know that your job is not safe because there are more kids coming. We know Ottawa is going to have two high selections in the 2020 draft. Could very well be first overall, whether it's them or the San Jose Sharks pick. And if it's not first, the they're really in line for a second or third overall pick. So you're looking at a team that could bring in somebody right away where, you know, maybe it's Alexi Lafreniere, maybe it's Marco Rossi, depending on where they pick, you know, an Ottawa 67 playing for the senators. I had a scout tell me the other day that Marco Rossi is probably the most NHL ready OHL prospect that we have this season. So if you're Bowser's nose to the grindstone, Play your game when you're up there and do not take a shift off when you're with AHL Belleville because the competition is fierce even if the NHL roster itself isn't very deep. All right, we're going to make this one last question. and It comes from somebody named Katie Keene, which I believe is also a TV show coming up. I think I saw a trailer for that. Yeah, it's it's related to the show Riverdale. Sabrina's an awesome show, but I don't watch Riverdale. Well, uh, I watch Riverdale and it's not great. Sabrina's wicked. Okay, well, yep. good. Uh, and she asks, Shane Wright, what type of player is he going to be in the NHL? A fantastic one, Katie. Yeah, Shane Wright. Case closed. We're done. Case closed. <laughs> Podcast over. No, Shane Wright just scored his 30th goal of the season for the Kingston Frontenacs, and he's doing so as an underager, having gotten that exceptional status to play in the OHL a season early in the same vein as Connor McDavid, Aaron Ekblad, a couple of other guys. Shane Wright you look at the strength he already has on the ice and you think to yourself, okay, well, what's this kid going to be like when he's 17, when he's 19, the mind boggles. I mean, there's so much skill there and 
Kingston, I mean, he didn't have anybody to play with at the beginning of the year. Kingston was, they had really bottomed out. And since then, Martin Kromiak came over um, from Europe where he was playing in Slovakia. And he's another guy that I think you're probably looking at a pretty exciting second rounder going back to that earlier question in the podcast. But, you know, he's in Kingston now. And so there's a little more talent to, to go around. But Shane Wright, I mean, he's kind of doing it by himself. And that's incredible for a kid that is 15 turning 16. I think he's probably going to be the first overall pick in the draft when his year comes. It's going to be a very good one because you also have Matt Savoy and Brad Lambert from Finland. But from what I've seen of Shane Wright already, he is just a game breaker. He finds the net so consistently and I think he's he's one of those players that when we talk about the exceptional status rule there's always the off ice component that's a bit of a wild card but on ice like he checks all the boxes and he's in that stratosphere with all those other legendary guys so yeah I think the world of Shane Wright and I think as Kingston adds more talent I mean we're gonna see some pretty baffling numbers from him in the next season or two All right, so that's it for the Prospect Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. Thank you to Christian Hockey, our sponsor. I'm Ryan Kennedy, Steve and the producers on the ones and twos, a.k.a. the laptop, and uh, we'll see you next time.